This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, who wants to make some money? Of course, everybody wants to make some more money. And here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to your wallet. It's Denver's newest travel hack, and it's called Drift Car Sharing. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at the Denver airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos and save on time and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn money and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for any of your friends who may be coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for a break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented while you're traveling, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info at drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. A little bit of a late night last night, boys, as the uh, Nuggets had the late start and was even pushed back a little bit because of the games in front of it. And then I went ahead and hopped on the old DNVR Nuggets podcast uh, with our new cast of Adam Mades, Brendan Vogt, and Harrison Wind and had a good time with them, but man, didn't... Uh, didn't get back home until after 1 a.m., and so I needed some Strava Craft coffee this morning to get me rolling for this here podcast, but I missed you guys the last couple days, so I wanted to make sure that I got on here today. And let's say you are also on short sleep. Make sure you get in on the Strava Craft coffee and use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off. Man, those nuggets looked, they looked scary last night. Like They just played terribly and sloppy and still won that's say. what good teams do right i mean we can in any sport that if you've got the talent if you've got the chemistry then you can win when a couple of pistons aren't firing yeah yeah and i mean they lose Jokic for the entire first half and then he just comes back and i think he had 15 and 7 in the fourth quarter there was some pretty creptacular defending by the blazers though Definitely conserving their energy for the rest of the 82-game season. Interesting strategy. I was worried about the Nuggets at first. That first quarter had me scared. It was ugly. It was ugly. Anyways, (laughs) speaking of ugly, I am fired up about something today, boys. I can only imagine what it would be. And, of course, it is the Broncos' handling of this Drew Locke situation. I simply cannot conceive how they are going to mess this up as badly as they are. And it is a joke to me that 
in a season that is already lost. And I know that in Cliss's report, he talks about how they think they can get back to four and five as if four and five <laughs> is some good place to be. A season that's already lost. You're at two and five. And you just keep pushing this thing back, holding on to some sort of false hope that isn't there, Zach. Exactly. And Drew Locke, on Friday, after the Chiefs game, Vic Fangio announced that Drew Locke, Theo Riddick, and Jake Butt were all going to practice this week. Tuesday rolls around. Those guys aren't out there practicing. Maybe it was just because of how Tuesday was kind of an extra practice, so they wanted these guys to just have a normal week of practice. So, Mason, I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt, although we were very skeptical, and yesterday it became official. Not only did those three not practice yesterday, those three will not practice this week, and... Here's the kicker. Tim Patrick is the only one set to practice next week. This is mind-boggling. This is absolutely mind-boggling. Look, from who I've talked to, Drew Locke is not only healthy. Like He's been healthy for a while. He can, he's, he can throw. He has no uh, limitations. He is good to go. But the Broncos want... They're like trying to protect everyone here. They're trying to protect Joe Flacco because they know if Drew Locke's in a in a uniform, the fans are going to be coming for him. And they're trying to protect Drew Locke from some sort of uh, like expectations or whatever. They're playing this protection game, and it's hurting everyone involved. It's hurting the Broncos. It's hurting Drew Locke. I mean, he could be practicing right now. It's you don't like, have to play him, but he could be practicing right now. Or Yeah, he could be practicing right now, and he is missing out on, on valuable, valuable practice time in an NFL game or season practice, regular season practice. He's not getting it, and it's absolutely absurd that they're doing this just because of narrative. It's like they're not paying any attention to where this game is going. And what other teams are doing with rookie quarterbacks. I feel like they have this 1990s mentality about where Drew Locke is and what he can do as a rookie. Kind of like their 1990s offense? Yeah, you could say that. Just take a look at Daniel Jones and you take a look at Gardner Minshew and Kyler Murray at the top of the draft. And Drew Locke is better than Daniel Jones. Yes, well, we saw him down at the Senior Bowl. Had a nice comparison between the two. Drew Locke was better than Daniel Jones. You're right. So, I don't know. My, and part of it, honestly, from where I come from, is my fear. They're not going to play him, but then they're going to say, well, we're good with the young quarterback, and then they don't draft anybody next year. No. And then if Drew Locke doesn't work out, you're starting the process over again. My <sighs> argument is you need to play Drew Locke because you need data. You need a sample size. You need something to see, okay, this is where he stands right now. Is he going to develop or are we going to have to find another young quarterback? You need to start learning this. And based on what we're seeing around the league with young quarterbacks playing, the rookie excuse 
It's farcical. But, our, but they can get back to four and five. <laughs> our rebuilds. Yeah, and then they go to four and seven after going to Minnesota <laughs> and Buffalo after the bye. Our rebuilds ideal? No. No team says, I really just want to rebuild instead of win. But you know what's worse? Miami did. <laughs> yeah, they. But, but you know what's worse <laughs> is doing what the Broncos are doing right now and being just good enough to not be rebuilding and to not admit it. But then you just get stuck in this same process because the great thing about a rebuild is then it, if you do it right, then you get back up and then you're competitive for the next 15 years because you found your quarterback and you found pieces around him. If the Broncos do this with Drew Locke where they kick the can down the road and uh, they don't really want to find out anything about him this year and next year, well, they have their young quarterback so they don't need to do anything and maybe it's again Joe Flacco and Drew Locke and maybe they battle it out in training camp and Joe Flacco wins it again just like the the Trevor Simeon over Paxton Lynch because he's the veteran, he'll win it. That is getting you in the worst place in sports, and that is where the Broncos are right now. That's 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. Right now they're staring at 4-12, and 5-11 and, and in the face again. It's, it's wild. I mean, the lack of foresight is, is alarming to me, uh, that they aren't, they aren't being able to look forward and say, we have to start the clock. Zach, we, start, we started talking about starting the clock last year around this time about how okay they have to get a young quarterback in this next year's draft so they can start the clock but the clock doesn't start until drew lock gets on the field and so they finally have the timer in their hand but they won't press start on it they're just they keep seeing i don't even know because it's not as if joe flacco is giving you a great opportunity to win games right now you know it'd be one thing if he's playing well and we're just saying like well what can you possibly do you're playing well you're 500 and, you know, we'd love to see Drew. He'd bring that fire that they probably need. But what, how, how can we complain about this? No, he's playing like trash. And because of that, we're sitting here saying, please, for the love of God, just press start on the damn timer. And, and they're saying, well, four and five. I mean, what if we got to four and five? Then what? Would you like that? And it's like, no, that doesn't do anything for anyone. And there's no telling that Drew Locke couldn't be the guy to do that, but at least you'd get some information on the way in there. So to clarify a, a rule really quick that, that I've talked about a lot this past week, nobody knows the IR rules. <laughs> that, that's simply what it boils down to. But the best of my knowledge, after talking to multiple people in the building, talking to every reporter I can talk to, it seems like what happens is when you bring a player back to practice to open up that 21-day window where they can practice – Right on the first day of them practicing, you have to designate them as one of the two people to return. So what Vic Fangio said yesterday was, we want to gather more information on these three guys. Seemingly, I, I imagine that means medical and where they're at and how much they're going to help the team this I think year. they want to gather more information on the team, and then if they're four and five, yeah. you're talking about reactivating, say, Theo Riddick. I, I think you're exactly right, Mason. That's why... Vic Fangio said only Tim Patrick was going to practice next week because next week you won't know if you're four and five. Next week you'll know if you're three and five or if you're two and six. And maybe two and six, they realize, okay, that what we're done this season. We're going to now bring back, back Drew Locke to practice this week. Then he'll get this week. Then he'll get a little bit of the bye and then be ready. But, guys, I have, I have zero confidence in that happening. I, okay, 
here's starting to become my biggest problem. Like, I'm starting to lower my expectations for this organization. Starting? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even care at this point now. Ah, that's, that's a lie. It's not even necessarily about Drew Locke playing to me anymore. The thought of Drew Locke never getting on the practice field during his entire rookie season is absolutely just mind-blowing to me. There is absolutely no chance you can just waste a healthy Drew Locke sitting there unable to practice. Like, that is asinine. So let's say let's say the reason they're very skeptical on bringing back Drew Locke is because they know things behind the scenes and they haven't been very impressed with him. Then you're but, picking a quarterback in 2020, if that's the case. If you've already seen things that dictate, well, he's not ready, then you are committing football malpractice to not pick a quarterback from this robust class next spring. In the first round, if yes. not trading up to get him. I completely agree, but still, even then... I want to see if Drew Locke is a gamer, let, let's say, and see if he goes out and absolutely lights it up where you then can be convinced the other way of saying, uh, maybe this guy's bad in the meeting room, but you know what? He just went out and threw 12 touchdowns, one pick in four games that he was out there for, <laughs> I don't know, 300 yards a game. You, you just got to see that because... <sighs> or, or maybe you're trying to keep his trade value up, and you're going to trade him on draft day. Right. He's going to be part of the package that you use to move up. And then, in that case, you don't want anyone to see him. You still want him to practice, though. Like, you still want to get him out there and give him a chance. There's just no way you could have learned during training camp that this guy just simply isn't it. And if it is, that means you did terrible recon on him because you should have been able to find out what you found out in training camp from just scouting him. So a simple question to you guys. Drew Locke doesn't play this year at all. Is there any chance that he's the Broncos' starting quarterback next year, week one? Well, there's not a chance. chance. Not, and, and I don't mean not any chance. But, I mean, what would be the, the logical reason to do that and to have that? Somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I mean. Joe Flacco I, I, gets injured. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet yesterday, but I tweeted out our coverage of the the Drew Locke, Justin Herbert quarterback competition next year is going to be lit. And And it was a tweet that launched a thousand puns. Yes. Oh, you're right. That was that tweet. Uh, Like, that's what I'm starting to think is like, oh, they've all along felt like they were going to draft a young quarterback in both of these drafts to like stock the cupboard. I'd be and, fine with that. Yeah, no. But I just don't know if they're going to because this is the organization that in 2018 took a look at its quarterback room of Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch, and Chad Kelly, had the chance to move up and get Sam Darnold or take Josh Allen or Josh Rosen, and they said, we're good, and they didn't even consider Lamar Jackson, which is another story entirely oh because, my God. yeah, and you right now you're starting the quarterback who got benched for Lamar Jackson and, and oh by the way the Ravens have played a lot better since they moved on from Joe Flacco and uh who's the best looking rookie quarterback right now then one quarterback that John Elway completely <laughs> wrote off which was Kyler Murray because of height yep just like he wrote off Russell Wilson because of height as we discussed <laughs> yesterday <laughs> I mean the hits are adding up And um, he's looking for the wrong things. If he's ruling out quarterbacks based on height and height alone, he's looking at the position in a completely farcical manner. 
for where the game is today. And we've actually been pretty defensive of John Elway in certain situations, especially like the drafting thing. He is getting better at dra- at drafts. And even good drafters miss a lot. Yeah, I mean over time. What's I mean, what's a good hit rate in drafts? 30%, 20%? Obviously, you would prorate it by round. Probably, I'd say 35. I was going to say in the first round, I think the hit rate is under 50%. Right, exactly. Right. And that's the but even best overall, chances. But you call a hit something different. Like a hit on day three is a guy who's on your roster for a few years, backup, maybe a sometime starter. If right. you find a full-time starter in day three or from the undrafted pool, You've done phenomenally. Yeah. And over the years, the Broncos have done reasonably well from those lower pools, late rounds, undrafted. Of course, a lot of that is simply listening to your scouts. Yeah. And the Broncos have a very good scouting department. So, like I said, you know, uh, the Broncos now have three third-round picks because of the Emmanuel Sanders trade. And, like, I tweeted that out, and every response is like, well, it always sucks at drafting anyway. Well, it always sucks at drafting anyway. And, like, in that case, I'm like, well... I understand what the frustration here, but he actually seems to have learned, has a formula now that that seems to work. But where there's really no defense is is quarterback. Um, you, I'm not giving him. You know, often we'll say you can't take away Peyton Manning from John. I'm not giving him credit for knowing that Peyton Manning was really good. You know, like that was the easiest thing ever. So when you when you and this is the one situation where you can take out Peyton Manning. Because there was no evaluation required. When you take out Peyton Manning, it's been brutal at best. Well, if you go by the upper part of the draft, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Drew Locke, I don't put much in the Zach Dysert, Trevor Simeon picks. Yeah, Trevor Simeon rounders. actually turned out to be the best quarterback and, of that draft. Uh, yes, and he turned out to be the best value of any quarterback taken by John Elway. I mean, here you are now. Brock Osweiler is out of football seven years later. He was only a full-time starter for one season. Cleveland paid him to go play for somebody else. $17 million. Yes. <laughs> and gave up a second-round pick. No, they got or, a second-round pick. They got a second. Houston gave yeah. up. Cleveland yeah, basically right. paid $17 million for a second-round second pick. Right. That that's what that equation was. Okay, and then and then Paxton Lynch. I mean, I mean, yeah, other teams wanted him. Dallas wanted him, but still, you're the team that got him. It's on your record. And and you know, the deeper you dive into this, the worse it gets. I tweeted out the other day something about how like this all went wrong when they didn't have a plan for succession with Peyton Manning. And someone tweeted at me like, they did have a plan, but Brock Osweiler got so greedy and messed up the whole plan. And I'm like, hold on there. That's a terrible plan. Even if that was your plan was to suit up Brock Osweiler and pay him, what was it, $15 million a year that they offered him? Mm-hmm. That was a bad plan. And you, of all people, should have had the ultimate knowledge of Brock Osweiler. This wasn't you know, guessing like the draft essentially is. This was, you had this guy around for four years. He played in multiple games for you. And then you said, that's my franchise quarterback. (laughs) That is a bad plan. So that was a bad evaluation. Paxton Lynch was a god-awful evaluation, if you can even call it that. It was more of just a rushed panic pick. Uh, You know, Mark Sanchez, bad evaluation. Trevor Simeon, like, in the end, 
probably the best job they've done. And what you got was a career backup. And wasn't that wasn't all the credit given to Gary Kubiak on that one for it, getting Trevor Simeon ready and was also to scouting be his guy him. too? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That yep. that fateful game against Notre Dame <laughs> in the wind and rain. That was a rhyme there. Um, you know. So you start just adding these things one after another, after another, after another. And it's just like now you throw in this whole mismanagement, as I see it, of Drew Locke this season. And and you start to you just start to lose hope that, you know, that 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 position is going to get figured out around here. Well, I think when you talk about the criticisms that have been lobbed on social media, like, couple of days ago I mentioned how the Broncos are sitting on a treasure trove of picks they've got seven picks in the first four rounds they could add to that if they trade Chris Harris Jr. in the next five days but a lot of responses come in and say yeah well it's Elway making the picks <laughs> I would say if this were a parliamentary system like in the United Kingdom and you have the House of Commons occasionally the House of Commons will vote for no confidence in the government I think a lot of Broncos fans are voting for no confidence in John Elway. Yep. And I do want to um, consider the other side here because we all are on the same side of this argument. The other side that I've seen out there is why would you want to see Drew Locke go out there and be stuck behind this crappy offensive line and a disjointed offense and you know risk destroying his confidence early on in his career? And that's where – becomes incumbent upon Rich Gangarello to give him a game plan that plays to his strengths. Step away from the fidelity to scheme in certain concepts and say, look, Drew Locke, we're going to get his feet wet, but we're going to give him the best chance to succeed behind this O-line. So we're going to move him outside of the pocket. We're going to tell him if it's not there in three seconds, take off and run. We're going to give him shotgun more than we would otherwise allow him to build his confidence with concepts and ideas that he has proven that he can execute. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you are doing him and the entire team a disservice because then you're not playing to the skill set of a key player that you have. Completely agree. And my answer to that would be what? You're going to wait until you're a 12-4 and four football team just missing the quarterback until you put a young guy in, until you trust a young guy? That's never going to happen. You're never going to be an extremely good team just missing the quarterback piece. Yes, it happened in Dallas. It can happen uh, occasionally. But how many offensive linemen is this team away right now? You could argue they're four offensive linemen away outside of Dalton Reisner. Maybe maybe you give them Connor McGovern. They're three offensive. So what? You're going to wait three more drafts to get three first-round offensive linemen and then have a good offensive line and then say, okay, you know what, Drew? We're ready to have you play in year six. Mace, uh, there's a phrase out there that I've heard before. It's like you're, you're never really ready to have a kid. You know, no, like, like you, you can't just sit there and say, oh, oh I'm, well, I'll have a kid when I'm ready. Like, you're never truly ready for if it. If you wait for the perfect time, you never do anything. And this is true of almost anything in life. If you wait for everything to be just right, just so, you're going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and the opportunity is going to sail away. Right. It's like Sometimes you, you just have to 
fuck up and do it. All right. It's like you have a crush on a girl and you want to tell her. And you're just like, well, the timing's not right. And you just, you'll keep saying that forever. Can't tell you how many times I've done that. Kick the can down the road. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I just, maybe I should just see how she feels about this thing. Or, oh, maybe I'll invite her to this party. And then you psych yourself out and you don't do it. Right. And that's where the Broncos are. And, And so there is never the right time for a quarterback to make their first start. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to uh, be frustrating. They're going to miss reads. They're going to throw picks. They're going to do all these things. But it comes down to your confidence in the mental makeup of said player. And that's that, for me, is the number one reason why I'm not worried about this narrative, that why would you put him in there in this? Drew Locke is a competitor. He is a fighter. And he is very mentally strong. He's been through a lot, a lot of, you know, ups and downs, losing at Missouri, you know, uh, campus controversies. He's done like the whole ride. He's been a face, the face of a quote unquote franchise for four years. I am not concerned about him going in, throwing three picks and one interception and suddenly unraveling as a player. I mean, we've seen Joe Flacco in the offense already unraveling. Joe Flacco is in his 12th year. Veterans unravel. So what? And this isn't the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre combination right there. It's it's not because you know what? They had Brett Favre in, in Green Bay playing some pretty good ball. And as much as I think he's overrated, he's much better than Joe Flacco. So it made sense to sit Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. It doesn't make sense anymore to sit Drew Locke behind Joe Flacco. We may have to come back to this Brett Favre's overrated discussion in the offseason. <laughs> no, are you talking about? Are you saying Brett Favre is overrated now too? I'm, I'm saying both of them are. You, yep. just a pa- you just don't like the Packers. What do you have against Green Bay quarterbacks? Is Bart Starr overrated too? No, no, Bart, Bart's fun. Oh, man. <laughs> all I'm saying is everyone just looks at all the touchdowns he threw, all the yards he threw. He also like leads the world in interceptions by a month. It's a gunslinger. <laughs> Thank you. It was I a would, different era then than it is now. Let me now. ask you this, Zach. Would you trade some interceptions for some touchdown passes at this point? Right now, I definitely <laughs> would. I definitely would. So, in the end, like, real quick, one more point I want to add this. Can you freaking imagine if, Joe, if the Broncos just roll forward with Joe for the rest of the season and then imply or – give off the feeling that they are going to roll with Joe Flacco again next year. Can you imagine the meltdown of this fan base? I can't imagine anyone outside of that building agreeing with that decision. And I think the team has done a good job and people have rallied around Case Keenum, you know, when they signed him. Oh, maybe he can pull the magic off again. Joe Flacco, John always saying he's in his prime. I think that, not because of that, but people just thought maybe Joe can be the average quarterback to to bring this team back. I can't imagine anyone buying that. Not a single person if they did that again. But you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if they did it. And Joe Flacco, I think, lost Broncos country last Thursday night. Yes. Because of his, not just his play, his demeanor. The demeanor that we've been hating since week one. And the demeanor that Vic Fangio backed this week. And Joe said, hey, that's me. I'm not going to change the way I am. And well, that Phil, means he's the wrong quarterback then, for a team that is young, needs some fire, needs some spunk, needs some pizzazz. 
I thought the he's most he's a bad fit for this team. Yep. He's a bad fit behind a shaky offensive line because he can't escape. So he's a bad fit in terms of leadership style, and he's a bad fit in terms of playing style. I I thought the most damning thing was Philip Lindsay, who said like, "Yeah, well, we have to like help him in that category." It's like, right. come on, man. Right. But Philip Lindsay is not a part of the leadership council. Yep. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. That maybe hasn't met since the beginning of the season. We don't know. Need some new leaders on the leadership council. Yeah. A little Phil, little Dalton Reisner. Well, Emmanuel's out, so maybe there's a spot open. There's some. They need some counseling for that leadership council. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple things here. As we transition into maybe a, a quick little preview of this Colts game, this is a tough one, and it's going to be a conversation we're probably going to have a lot, and. It might sound like I uh, am backtracking on something I said earlier here, but I'll I'll let you guys answer this first. Should Broncos fans be rooting for the team to lose on Sunday? At this point, and I never, I rarely want to tell Broncos fans to cheer for your team to lose, but yes, because of what we found out. And if the Broncos win this game, Drew Locke's just kicked to the back burner even more. This is about win now. This is about putting the future. Uh, it's about putting blinders on the future, and that's not what this team needs. You're rooting for this team to lose until it reaches a point where they finally say, okay, this is a rebuild. We've got to go young. We've got to sacrifice maybe some wins in the present to build something sustainable for the long haul. And until that point is grasped, because I'm not even sure that point was grasped with the trade of Emmanuel Sanders because you very much from John Elway heard the notion, not in these words, but of addition by subtraction. Yep. That you got him out of the locker room, he didn't want to be there anymore, and that the team can be better without him. Until it is clear, until the sirens are right there, and they listen to the fact that this team has been is in dire need of simply accepting the rebuild. And you could say they've been rebuilding for a couple of years now, a couple of drafts, but until they accept it and stop trying to put band-aids on and start trying to make repairs with brick and mortar rather than, you know, just a little, you know, oh, let's just uh, you know touch this up here. Basically, the 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 foundation is crumbling. And they're rearranging furniture. <laughs> That's good. Um, that is good. I am... St- Here's where I'm at. I'm in a conflict of my own feelings. You still want them to go 7-9? and nine? It's not possible. Um, <laughs> but I'd like it if I they st- went 7-9 and nine starting Drew Locke. Uh, yeah. That'd be fabulous. I still believe that this team needs something, uh, something tangible to build on from a winning culture perspective. And I still believe that's very important. And, and I think um, the negative effects of the losing, you can see in many players, starting with Von Miller. With that being said, I am completely and utterly out on Joe Flacco at this point. And if losing this game and maybe even next week as well is what it's going to take to make the front office realize that they need to give up on this failed plan, then I think that's worth it. I will still be saying, once Drew Locke's in there, I'll be back to my boat of winning is more important than anything right now. But you just cannot move forward with Joe Flacco. And 
it's a bummer to say because you know we in the offseason we tried to point out all of the things that could be positive about the the Joe Flacco acquisition one thing we definitely missed was just how much he lacks that fire and how much this team needed it and I think that you know that would have been hard to notice until we started seeing the games but we knew he was Joe cool we didn't realize that when the whole thing began to unravel that you know he'd just be walking up to the line and walking back to the to the sideline and and it's probably because we just weren't planning on the whole thing unraveling you know we didn't necessarily think of that option too often and so right now i think the most important thing is the front office realizing that this is a lost season and that they need 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 to get Drew Lock in there I completely, completely agree. So, do they follow that losing route that we we believe they should take this week? Sure seems like it. Um, The Colts, as pretty much all of us felt, I think, are still a good football team without Andrew Luck. We talked about that a lot, you know, the days after uh, Andrew Luck retired, which is that Jacoby Brissett is really good, or at least solid enough for that football team. And, and they're doing more with him in terms of expanding what he can do. Early in the season, they were kind of leaning on everybody else and protecting Brissett. Against the Texans last Sunday, they turned him loose. Jacoby Brissett was a reason why they won that game. Not just a guy who was taking the snaps and making sure everyone was lined up pre-snap. He actually was a reason why they beat the Texans, why they were better than the Texans. That right, day. like he had to go head-to-head with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And he was he did not back down from that challenge. He certainly, certainly did not, and, and he's going to be home again. And it's a stacked roster. Yep. That's the thing. I mean, you look at areas in which the Broncos are weak, for example. They're weak in pass protection. Hello, Justin Houston. Hello, Darius Leonard, who came back last Sunday. It's a problem. And Mace, as you pointed out, Justin Houston is the Garrett Bowles kryptonite. Yeah, that's what uh, Matt McChesney said right? on a radio appearance a couple of days ago. Garrett Bowles struggles against a lot of edge rushers, but Justin Houston is a particular problem for him. <laughs> In part because Justin Houston is experienced and savvy. Things that Garrett Bowles is not. It'll be interesting. Maybe I mean, it'll be a, a litmus test for him because he has always really struggled with Justin Houston. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, has he improved? And maybe Justin Houston's also lost half a step. But if he can go out there and, and block him, then we say, hey, he learned, he's learning from Mike Munchak. Yeah, Darius Leonard on Sunday, by the way, 10 tackles and a pick. Sometimes <laughs> he drops into coverage as well. He's just in a tremendous all-round outside linebacker. <laughs> I don't know why I just have this weird feeling that the Broncos are going to win. Like, because every like people are starting to get on board with like, oh, just lose. Just get this thing out of the way. Like, get, get this thing over with. Because I do it, have this weird feeling that, like, be, like because now people want them to lose, they're going to win. It's because in the last three seasons, Ryan, you have been accustomed to them doing things wrong. So <laughs> what would be the wrong thing right now if they need to face up to – the rebuilding in front of them. If they need to go ahead and go whole hog with the kids, including Drew Locke, well, the thing that would push that back would be to win. Yep, it definitely would be. And I oddly have that feeling too, but here's what I just cannot get over. How is this 
Broncos passing game going to be able to do anything? If I'm the Colts, I'm double covering Cortland Sutton, just taking yep. him out of the game. I'm making Noah Fant beat me. I'm making Deshaun Hamilton beat me. And I'm also stacking the box. You can run the ball against this Colts team. They give up a lot of yards per attempt. I believe it's like 4.9 yards per attempt. So if I'm the Colts, stacking the box, and I'm shutting down Cortland Sutton, I'm saying, hey, if Joe Flacco, Noah Fant, Deshaun Hamilton, Deontay Spencer can beat me, all right. Listen to tip, what you just tip my said. Cap to you. Yeah, and the, the, that's like the starting crew right there. So I have no idea. Unless the Broncos go for 150-plus and they get the key passing plays needed, which we haven't seen that happen consistently this year, I don't know how the Broncos are going to score points. Yeah, I mean, what's the bar for point? Like, if they score more than 14 points, is that a win? Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Well, yeah. remember the whole sub-20 point thing that we talked about earlier this season. Now it's sub-25. Yeah. Move the bar a little bit. <laughs> but the sub-20 point thing started late last season when they were without Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to see this offense actually look productive without Sanders before I'm buying into it. I think the defense keeps the Broncos in the game, but this feels like about a 20-10 to 10 type game. All right, that's your prediction? 20-10 to 10 Indianapolis. I like that as well. I'm going to go 24-13. to 13. It is so hard for me to pick a team scoring less than 14 points. I re- My head's saying pick the Broncos to score six again, but I just say they get a wacky touchdown somehow. So 24-13 me, Colts. And the, the line, just in case you care, is six and a half. I like that 13 number. That feels in the sweet spot for me. A touchdown and two field goals. Uh, that's three whole scoring drives. Um, that's two more than they had Seems last like week. Seems like a lot. Um, I'm going to go th- uh, 21-13 Colts. Defense you know, tries to cling on as tight as they can. But in the end, you have to score points to win, and this team can't do it. Well, this, this other game, tonight's game. But I really do like – like my there's this burning feeling in my gut that's telling me the Broncos are going to go stupidly win this game because of some fluky stuff. By the way, can you name the three teams that have scored fewer points than the Denver Broncos so far this season? My guess is Dolphins? Yes. Redskins? Redskins. Yes. Hmm, who's the third? Bengals? Jets. Oh. So the 0 and 7 Bengals have scored more points than the Broncos? Yeah, they've scored two more points. <laughs> Broncos have 112 points in seven games. The Jets have 63, the Dolphins have 63, Washington has 90. They have those two teams doubled up almost. Wow. Yeah. How have they been doing it there for seven weeks? How have they made it through? That's impressive. I mean, it's just it's a sick offense. And I don't and I mean that literally. I don't mean that right. in the oh, that's sick. <laughs> Kind of like back in the 80s when bad started to mean good. Right. (laughs) She bad. Well, let's talk about one of those bad offenses. The Redskins going into Minnesota tonight. Minnesota is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like? I like Minnesota. (laughs) I'll give the 16-and-a-half. This is, I think this is the Kirk Cousins revenge game. And it's a good time for Kirk Cousins to have it because the last few weeks he's clicking. The the light bulb went on in this offense that effectively he ran uh, back in Washington. You know, it's a perfect fit for him. He looks comfortable. Maybe he took every the receivers kind of calling him out, right? To be damn 
This is going to be the Kirk Cousins. To be Cousins the thing that prodded him. Yep. Narrative game. Yep. He's one baller game on primetime away from flipping the whole thing on its head. Yep. And against his former team. Ooh. Yep. The Minis- team that he really wants to get after. Minnesota yep. leads the NFC in scoring right now, by the way. Ooh. 192 points so far this year. I mean, the Redskins really true. Like, we've given them a lot of credit for realizing it, he wasn't the guy. But he has a great chance to go out there and make it seem like the Redskins truly disrespected him. Yep, he really does. So that'll be interesting. Big point spread. All right, Chargers what, at... Are we wait, all we, taking... Are we uh, all taking uh, yeah, I'm Minnesota? Taking the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I just can't give the Redskins <laughs> any credit no. for anything. No, Chargers going into Chicago. The Bears are four-point favorites. What are they doing? Oh, God, I hate the Chargers. How are the Bears four-point favorites again? They yeah. were four-point favorites last week against the Saints, and they got their brakes beaten off. Somehow they're a 500 team. Somehow this team is still in it. Well, in part because they're, they've only given up 105 points in six games so far this year. That's Man, impressive. my – this one's – I'm split here. Yep. Both of these teams suck. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, I'm going to take the, the four Bears points. Half the Bears team sucks. Their defense is good. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, I'm going to take the four points. I just think it ends in a close game. I don't know who wins this. And I'm just going to go based off quarterback. I've done that with the Chargers, and they've burned me this season. But I'm going to go with the Chargers with the four points, of course. I don't even uh. want to say I'm taking the Chargers. I'm just taking the points. <laughs> Wait, so you have the Chargers? Yeah. Okay. But it feels like the Chargers might charge this one up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> certainly does. Do it. I'm picking Chicago. Oh, there we go. Love it. Love it. All right. I Rick. actually think the, <laughs> that um, there is a scenario on the table in this game where Chicago blows them out. Yeah, because they kind of hit bottom yeah. last week against New Orleans. And sometimes when you're a good team, look, the Bears, they're struggling right now. But there are a lot of really freaking talented players on that roster yep. that have been hearing for the last four days how lousy they are. I'm cheering. This, this feels like it could be an FU game from the Bears. I'm cheering for the the Chargers to lose in spectacular fashion once again. <laughs> like, they just do something absolutely ridiculous at the end of the game and lose. Uh, probably could very well happen. All right, Raiders going into Houston to play the Texans. The Texans are seven-point favorites. Who do you like? Texans. Easy, seemingly. Gary and Conley going to be on the Texans. (laughs) The Raiders secondary looked so bad last week, and uh, they're going up against another quarterback who likes to push the ball downfield. So, Mace, you got the Texans as well? I've got the Texans too much. I have the Texans as well. Although, I'll say, in that first half, Derek Carr, while they only put up 10 points, Derek Carr looked really good, but then just did nothing the rest of the game. All right, and final one, Packers, four-and-a-half-point favorites going into Kansas City. That line could drastically change if Patrick Mahomes actually plays. And we're picking this one on Thursday? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If Patrick Mahomes plays, the Chiefs are idiots. Yeah, they'd be very short-sighted. I mean, how? How are they doing this? How are they – he shouldn't have been out there on Thursday. He certainly shouldn't have been sneaking the ball on Thursday. He shouldn't be back at practice. And he certainly shouldn't play Sunday. I think he is going to end up playing. I heard so. I heard from a source close to Kansas City last week that they thought Andy Reid was going to push Patrick Mahomes to play this week. And I thought, oh, the reports are like he's out a month. What are you talking? I was like, you are crazy. Turns out, Andy Reid. Packers. 
Andy Reid, Packers, primetime Sunday night football. Andy Reid's pushing them out there. Silly, 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 silly. So who do you have? Um, give me the pack. It's the ultimate roll of the dice here. The Chiefs, I think, at some point will get a hold of themselves and realize that playing Patrick Mahomes in this game, an interconference game, is complete idiocy. Yep. Give me the pack. Yep. I like the Packers as well, even with those four and a half points. Okay. We have to award our last Ooh. weekly winner for WGT. And um, on Monday, we will announce our grand prize winner. Thanks to everyone who played along. This was a really fun uh, long contest. Zach or Mace never beat me the entire time. That actually made it <laughs> extra fun. I beat you the one week you weren't here. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Maybe this week, next year. This week's winner is Tim Rieger. Tim Rieger or Regier. Um, you probably know who you are at Reg R M I T. Reach out to Lindsay L Y N D S E Y at D at the DNVR dot com uh, and tell her that you won. Again, Monday we will announce the final winner of our WGT challenge. And if you want to keep playing the WGT challenge. Just go listen to the DNVR Avalanche podcast as it is moving over there. So uh, you'll still have more chances to win and play along. All you have to do is now tweet your answers at DNVR Avalanche. All right, before we move along, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. For the first time in a long time last night, I had the Vanilla Porter, or as we're calling them now, Vanilla Porter Juniors. Um, it was it's really good. Like they just they just they don't miss. They, they just don't miss. They don't. And this week, you could easily have a strawberry sky when it's 70 degrees on Saturday. Today, a vanilla Porter Jr. is perfect for this snowy day. And yesterday was a perfect fall day, perfect for the Colorado Corps. I'm really excited to dive into their winter catalog, per se. Uh, they've got the Christmas ale, the vanilla Porter Jr. last night. It was pretty good uh, for, for this type of weather. Uh, Irish stout. That thing is off the chain. Uh, they have a pumpkin spice latte stout or something Ooh. along those lines. Um, they've got a full uh, range of winter style darker beers. And I've been so entrenched in the Strawberry Sky and Colorado Core that I haven't spent much time drinking them. So last night was a good uh, first foray into their... Uh, their winter catalog excited about that and if you're looking for even a bigger range to expand your horizons make sure you check out the green solution which has 17 colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible so right now i know you're on your phone just whip it out and go to their website go to mygreensolution.com order your flower (laughs) concentrates edibles and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. And definitely, once you get there, don't whip it out. (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) Whip your phone out. (laughs) Zach Zach said whip it out, and I instantly just... My eyes just moved right to his. We both made eye contact. I knew I was done. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. 
All right, well, let's whip out the questions here. <laughs> let's whip out the question of the week first. Okay, let's do that. Presented, of course, by the wonderful Sports Column. And boy, the weekend's coming around. That means a trip to Sports Column is in store. You're not going to be playing on outdoor hoops. So you're going to have to go get your shots up at Sports <laughs> Column or, I guess, any indoor gym. But at an indoor gym, there isn't a bar within walking distance from you. You can't, you can't beat that right in the heart of downtown. All right, so our question was, which other Broncos player do you want to see traded before the deadline next Tuesday? First one coming in from Seth says, on a side note, do you guys think we could get Mahomes? Wow. Mahomes is jogstrap for Flacco, so that was completely off base. Okay. I don't uh, think so. Uh, from Anna, Adam Gottis and Chris Harris, and this one will truly hurt if it happens relating to Harris. And this leads to a conversation I wanted to have. We'll try to keep it quick here. I'll just ask you guys point blank. I'm sure you've already talked about it, but I want to have this conversation too. Will the Broncos trade another player? Yes. If they lose on Sunday, which I expect, yes. I think no. Hmm. I think John Elway wanted to make it very clear that this was a personal organizational issue with, with Emmanuel Sanders and that this is not a fire sale. I, I agree. I'm maybe I'm too hopeful. I'm hoping two and six kicks it into gear and says, okay, yep, this should be a fire. Yeah, if it's three and five, they won't trade. I'm I'm with Zach. Do you think there's any chance that John always like, I have enough third-round picks? (laughs) Well, then go get a second for Chris. Well, that's what they're asking for. You take the thirds and you – if you have – let's say you have – Four third round picks. You can easily take two of those thirds and make them a second. You can take another one of those thirds with your current second and make that a late first and get the fifth year option. So if he's thinking ahead, he'd see that there is value in those third round picks. Yeah, I mean, if you have four picks in any round, it's going to help you a lot yes. uh, in terms of your control of that area of the draft. Um, but the, something I don't know. Something just tells me John Elway, like the like he should take a third round pick for Chris because that's the best compensatory pick you'd get anyway. But I just I I don't know. Something tells me he's just be like I don't want to hear about your third round picks. What about the notion of a combo deal involving both Chris Harris Jr. and Derek Wolf if they lose this game? I would like, personally love it. Like that might turn a three into a two, is what right. I'm saying. Yep. There is not a person um, over the age of 25 that I would say the Broncos shouldn't trade right now. Not even Cream right. Jackson? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't trade Cream Jackson. All right, there good. you go. <laughs> All right, BC Bronco. For a reasonable price, what? Chris Harris Jr., Wolf, Parks, Hireman, Booker, Bowles, Flacco, and Davis. If you, can't, if you get a can't-refuse offer, I'd be willing to think about Vaughn, but truly, at 2-5, and five, with the boat taking on water, we'd be remiss not to look at any reasonable offer. And then his uh, gif is a boat... From the Simpsons sinking. You, you're, there's one thing here that matters. Is it better than the compensatory pick that you think you'll get? If it is, right. you take it, bar none, and just forget about and it. And that's why the Emmanuel Sanders deal was great, because I'm not even convinced that Emmanuel would have gotten a compensatory third. I think at his age, with the Achilles injury, it might have been a compensatory fourth or fifth. You made out like bandits on this deal. And the Broncos are probably going to end up getting another compensatory pick. Because Bryce Callahan isn't going to play this year. Yeah. Mm, it's a good point. It's a good point. Rachel Blackford says, Harris, and I'd be open to Vaughn. Uh, Bronco Tiz says, Bowles in the third, fourth from the Sanders trade for Trent Williams. Ah, he wants to acquire. <laughs> yeah, no, please, please don't be buyers right now. Seth hey, says, hate to, say, hate to say it, 
but it has to be Chris, right? We all know he's not sticking around and could still provide some solid value for a contender. I wish he would end up an all-time Bronco, but he won't. Or I wish he would end up, yep, an all-time Bronco, but he won't. So let's get what we can. AJ Smith says Joe Flacco. Yeah, great great value there. (laughs) Uh, From Seth, hate to say it, but it has to be Chris, right? We all know he's not sticking around, and he's still – oh, you already did that one. Sorry. Uh, I think that's all. Here's one. Um, uh, Eamon Badwan. Wolf and Chris, they're going to be free agents at the end of the NFL year, and since we'll be active this free agency to fill holes, we will not get any comp picks for them. That's thing to remember is that when you sign free agents – then you have cancel you have it canceling right. out on comp picks. So that further increases the value of making the trade now to get those draft assets. So you need to move on now with any vet that you're not planning on re-signing in 2020. Yep, I, I agree. And and the final one here that, that comes in with a different answer is from Vaughn's point, says John Elway. Mm. Ooh, man. Actually you can trade GMs. <laughs> That's a real thing that you can do. All right, let's hop into the questions here from the listeners. Thanks to everyone for participating and subscribing. And speaking of, if you are thinking of subscribing, right now is the time, and you got to choose one of us. We don't care which one of us you choose. I mean, obviously, we each want you to choose us. Well, actually, I'm going to argue for choosing me, so use the code MACE, because if I do win this competition, I intend to share the Breck Brun Largesse with the rest of the staff. So everybody wins. Oh, and I, I I'm doing the same, to, of course. I, I, I share intend with to share <laughs> with the fans who chose me. Yeah, me as well. I'm going to share with just every single person because we know I, I can't drink as much as everyone else. So I'll be willing to share more. I'll be able to. So use that code Zach, Z-A-C. Or use the code RK. <laughs> Whatever you do, make sure you choose one of us three and no one else. And then we can still say that no beat has ever beaten us. But I'll be honest, guys. The Nuggets, there's a lot of hype around that team right now. We just added two new guys. They've got a whole new audience that they're bringing along. And... Those guys are off to a hot start, so we really need your help. Just choose one of us. I don't care if you choose Zach or Mace. I obviously want you to choose me, but I definitely want you to subscribe and use one of our codes, RK, Zach, or Mace, to help us to to continue our undefeated streak. We've never even lost to the Avs, and they're a juggernaut in these things. We can't lose to the Nuggets. Well, the problem is if we lose, you're going to blame me, aren't you? No. No. Who wants that? I don't play the blame game. I'll say the Nuggets have a very unfair advantage. We picked up some subscriptions in September, too. So that, exactly. You know, exactly. I've, I've done my part here. <laughs> I need right. more. I need more from you. I need you guys to pick up the slack. More, more. All right, let's get to the comments, and I'll start it because Count Flacula, my of good course. friend, is opening it up. I love numbers. After all, my name is Count. The following <laughs> cracks me up. Reportedly, Sanders is going to attempt to strike gold by wearing number 17 in San Fran. It should be noted that 17 was Brock's number, who arguably started this whole QB house of cards that all but destroyed Sanders' diva status. And it's also the year 2017 that his stats began to take a turn for the mediocre. And according to Plutarch's Moralia, the Egyptians have a legend that the end of Osiris' life came on the 17th of a month on which day it is quite evident to the eye that the period of the full moon is over. Bye, Felicia. Love the count. <laughs> so not good omens <laughs> sent Emmanuel Sanders' way, huh? It was what Emmanuel Sanders wore in college, but he was undervalued in college. I'm just going to see him as Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, I'm sure Emmanuel wouldn't like that. From D.S. Roddish. Hello, all. 
First of all, I love the pod and the whole DNVR community. I was born in Denver, but have lived in Arizona most of my life, and I'm currently majoring in sports journalism at ASU, where I'm surrounded by a few Broncos fans. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, congrats wow. on getting in there. It's nice to have uh, the DNVR community to relate li- with. I was curious to know what you all think about moving Reisner to left tackle next year. Starting rookie at left tackle is always difficult, and Reisner has experience at tackle in the scheme and with the coaches. Reisner at left tackle is, and hopefully drafting and signing a guy like Brandon Scherf to fill Reisner's vacant spot. Hope you guys are still doing a great podcast and writing great content when I graduate. Mm, here's mm. my thing with Dalton. I'd be more open to it if you do it next year. I'm not open to moving him at all this year. But what's he going to be? If Mike Munchak thinks he can be an all-pro left tackle, then I'm open for it. If Mike Munchak thinks he's in, he's in all or a Pro Bowl, I should say, Pro Bowl left tackle. If Mike Munchak thinks he can be a Pro Bowl and an all-pro guard and just a good average tackle, then don't do it. Keep the great piece where it is. I don't like it at all. Don't stop moving guys around. Like when a guy is working in a place, let him continue down that road and just get better and better and better. Um, you can't just you know you need all five. So just moving him to the left side doesn't help you unless you are able to find another guard. It's just you're just, you know, playing musical chairs at this point. So who's the left tackle next year? Tristan Wirfs. I'm going to say uh, free agent, Anthony Costanzo. Yeah, I think free agent because the way it looks right now is they're drafting a quarterback next year. All right, next one coming in from Pastor Red. He says, here's an exhaustive list of my thoughts on the Broncos' handling of Drew Locke as of October 23rd, 2019. One, ah, two, ah, three for Mr. B. Four, no, five, why, 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 six, ah, seven for Elway, I guess, eight. Stares into oh the abyss. Oh my god, I'm so Pastor glad you Red that is in comment. such a dark place right now. <laughs> oh god, that was amazing. Oh, Missouri Bronco responds to that says, laughing and crying at the same time. My state's pride and joy may be getting ruined. <laughs> and then Rob says, this perfectly sums up my thoughts as well. I think I think after listening to the first segment, everyone would know that we kind of feel the same way. Sure do. Yes. All right, from Iceman. Good to hear from you, Iceman. Hey boys, thank you, Emmanuel, for five years of your prime and for Super Bowl fifty. Someday. The can has to eventually come to the end of the road. Well, maybe it's like Baseline, uh, which – or no, Federal, right, is the longest street in America. Colfax, Stop, Colfax. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got them all. They plenty of them. They're all nice and long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Where there just is no end to the road. Colfax well, just goes I, on forever. Although, actually, I-35 going through – the middle of the country it's part of the pan-american highway which basically goes from in canada and it stops for a yes, bit yes, in central america <laughs> then picks up through south america oh wow yeah probably a little bit longer than colfax yes but colfax <laughs> maybe that's what this is anyways he says taking a productive number one wide receiver who proved he was completely healed for two draft picks speech much louder than johnny boy saying they are rebuilding or continuing to rebuild he just proved it with his actions. You guys in the media and we fans know what the Broncos are doing. My question for you three is, would you take less for Chris Harris Jr. than you got for Sanders? Maybe because he will not stay in Denver after this season and the last offseason? Go Zoomies. It's a really good question, Iceman, because, of course, everyone's going to say you should trade Chris if you get good value. What if you don't get good value? Do you still trade him? You, it just It's all about the comp pick. And if you get a third pick, third round pick, that's worth more. Bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And a compensatory pick, remember, that's not this year. 
That wouldn't be this draft. That would be the draft after this, and it can be offset by your free agents. So if someone is offering you a third-round pick, you take it, and you say, thank you, Chris. You're an amazing Bronco. We'll see you when you get inducted into the Ring of Fame. And really quick, that would be less than what you got for Emmanuel since you also got a fourth for Emmanuel. So, yep, I agree. And you should be able to get at least a third for Chris. Maybe, yeah, maybe even a third and a fourth. Right, just the same deal. Without the fifth-round pick right. that the Broncos the had to throw in. Or third and a fifth, or third and a sixth, or third and a seventh. Sure, yep. Next one coming in from DP3107 says, Guys, at work we were, ta- we were talking failed Broncos draft picks. Then you guys went there today. I was making the point to coworkers that knowing what we know about Josh Allen, should the Broncos have drafted him instead of Chubb? I was very anti-Allen in 2018, but it's hard to argue with a guy who had some success in Buffalo all of places. It's tough to say. Um, if Josh Allen continues on this winning path and, you know, turns out to be a, a bona fide franchise quarterback, then there's absolutely no argument against him. Um, but he is a little bit of a product of a great defense over there in Buffalo right now. So I just I, – I, it's hard to pass judgment at this exact point. As it stands right now, it looks like Buffalo did the right thing and the Broncos – in a weird, it was like a positive panic. I don't know how to explain it, but it seems like they were never going to take Josh Allen. So, I don't well, know. Josh Allen didn't meet my accuracy baseline in college, and as of right now, he's sitting there seven touchdowns, seven interceptions for the season. His passer rating is actually lower than that of Joe Flacco. Buffalo's riding its defense, riding its running game. But Josh he, Allen is a passenger right now on the Bills bus. They've also they're also putting him in positions to succeed in that offense and he's making big plays for them. Uh you know, in big moments even with his feet. So again, that's why I say it's like it's not a bona fide uh answer right now and Josh Allen is certainly still a flawed quarterback. But it's a direction. It's okay, we're going to ride this guy, we're going to see where he goes. Whereas the Broncos just seem kind of aimless right now, like they're a Boat circling a whirlpool headed down. Damn. Sorry. Bermuda Triangle style? Yeah. Count Flacula. Gents, the current IR system seems broken and antiquated. What measures would you change or amend to make the IR protocol better and more fan-friendly? Love the count. Well, I don't know if they're going to do it for being fan-friendly. Right. No offense to the fans, but they're not going to make an IR change because of what the fans want. First, I'd make the rules very clear on, on what happens. But then also, I would make it so that it's a lot easier to bring guys back because fans don't it, fans, teams don't want to see it where you have four guys that you want to bring back and you can only bring two back. I don't really know how. I know it plays into the game, but people don't care about the game you know at that point they just want to see the best players out there well i think the whole reason why they limited ir players coming back first of all there was a long stretch where you couldn't bring anybody back right and it was because teams were abusing the ir system and you know a guy right before the end of camp you know what tweak your calf muscle today right oh 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 <laughs> ow! well there you go on ir save right. a roster spot right that team yeah Teams were abusing the system for a long time. So the current flawed IR system is because teams were taking advantage of it. So what's the happy medium? Honestly, I think the happy medium here is some form of short-term IR. Like two weeks. Yep. Yep, I like that. Or or four, you know, half of what the current, you know, status is. Yep. Do the four-week IR. Yep. Next one coming in from NorCal Diehard says, guys, frequent listener, and two questions. One, 
My take on this whole lock IR situation is that Elway put Drew on IR to avoid any quarterback controversy in the first half of the season, giving Joe time to prove his worth in the offense. Since the last time I checked, it doesn't take eight weeks to recover from a sprained thumb. Do you think this theory could be true, or does the front office and coaching staff know something about Locke that we don't? Two, Mace, what's your honest assessment of Joe Burrow? If Drew isn't the guy, which I hope he is, I personally think Burrow is one of the most polished QBs in the draft outside of Tua. Ryan, you were nodding your head the whole time. Yeah, so um, it's not as conspiratorial, I think, as that, as that comment comes off, but here's what it was. Drew got hurt. John said, no matter what, I don't want to play Drew in the first eight weeks of the season. So why don't we just put him on IR? Then there'll be no controversy because we would have done it. After week one, I would have been like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You might as well you might as well start thinking about Drew Locke. So it, it avoided controversy. He was also injured. And John, from a, uh, a uh, philo- philosophical standpoint, said we don't want to play Drew that early anyway, even if it's an injury to Joe Flacco. So – this is a no-brainer. Let's put them on IR. And now they have all this flexibility to just keep pushing. They just keep kicking the can down the road. Keep kicking the can down the road. And it's because he's on IR. You, you would have been having to face a lot of pressure right now to play Drew Locke this week if he was, if he was off IR. I, abso- I think you hit it right on the head, NorCal diehard. So, Mace, Joe Burrow. I like him. I like the way he gets the second and third read more than a lot of quarterbacks we're talking about in his class. I like the accuracy this year. He's taking a big leap. He was a 58% passer last year. He's at 78 right now. So probably kind of normalize, the normalizing uh, level for him as a passer is probably about 67%. And that more than meets the baseline that you're looking for for a quarterback coming out of the college ranks. And then, yes, there's the it factor, the presence, the elan, the certain savoir-faire. You said you said he, he has that. You said he meets a baseline too. He meets John Elway's baseline. The height because he's six foot four, four too. So but mates. he's not too tall. I my part of my baseline honestly is I wouldn't draft a quarterback who's six six, and that's the one thing I have on Justin Herbert. In part because I've talked to enough safeties over the years who have told me tall quarterbacks you can read their eyes because they're over because they're taller than some of the linemen they're throwing behind. And for the same reason that they can probably hit the hell out of a golf ball because the swing is nice and long. It takes him a little bit longer to deliver the, the football. Look at the way that Kyler Murray is mm-hmm. operating in this air raid offense. His, his motion is so quick and compact, and he, he has a strong arm. The ball gets out there nice and quick. Watch how Joe Burrow leads his receivers as well. So, so I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at the point where if the Broncos took Joe Burrow, I'm not saying he's my number one quarterback. I haven't gone and ranked him. We'll get into that in the offseason. I'm sure I'll be writing scouting reports on some of these guys, but – I'd be very happy if the Broncos drafted Joe Burrow. Um, I didn't know who they were playing this week, but I said to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that my homework for the weekend is I will watch Joe Burrow no matter who they play. Mm-hmm. They happen to play Auburn, who has a great defense. Yes. So I'm excited to watch that. 1.30 on CBS on Saturday. The Buffs play on Friday. I've got my whole Saturday open. I will watch Joe Burrow, and I'll come back with my take. I just haven't seen enough of him right now to have a yeah. take. So I'll have a take on – Sunday or Monday. <laughs> but, yeah, I, th- I think Burrow's legit. I really do. And the, the thing that worries me is he's been their quarterback for multiple years, right? He was their quarterback last year, too. Yeah, and so, what, they went to the air raid or spread this year? A little more of that, yes. Yeah, that's what worries me is they went from this pro-style offense to more of a spread offense. Now, all of a sudden, he looks really good. Yeah, no crap. But that's what <laughs> happened with Gardner Minshew. Oh, I agree. I agree. 
I'm just saying, you know what Gardner Minshew's doing in Jacksonville? They're spreading him out, and they're playing to his strengths. Well, and then you worry no, about whether the Broncos would play to Joe Burrow's strengths. Exactly. And that's, exactly. Ugh, no. this whole scheme, scheme <laughs> thing. Gosh, start playing to what you have. Just run the air raid. (laughs) I tried to get him Cliff and Kyler. (laughs) Everyone would be more happy right now. I guarantee it if they went with Cliff and Kyler. It's true. Be more entertaining. Uh, All right. Before we move on, shout out to the Denver Rubber Company. They're a local business tried and true since 1972. And Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets to molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing. And of course, custom hoses they offer innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries and they're both cost effective and will meet your requirements especially if you're in need of a custom design material selection for your project or if you have a tough deadline for a large order don't hesitate to call denver rubber company were you trying to play a rubber ducky sound effect there (laughs) no that's um that's uh, the sound effect from my wife my wife being from wisconsin uh spent a lot of time in madison wisconsin the uh low-level baseball team they have there is called the Mallards. Okay. Mm. But the funny thing, there's a, tr- there's a great story about that particular text tone. It was during the Broncos-Steelers playoff game back in January 2016, and Peyton Manning at that point was throwing some ducks. Mm. And right after one such duck, I didn't have the – the sound on my phone turned off. And so in the press box here, quack, quack, quack. (laughs) Anyways, if you're in need of some rubber duckies or anything else that is made of rubber, call Denver Rubber Company at 1-800-259-0010 today or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash DNVR and tell them who sent you. All right, next one coming in from Missouri Broncos. That's question from Ace. Can you give a preview of what – of the other what-if scenarios, or do we have to wait for those to drop? Oh, there's a lot. and this yeah, is something unlimited that, supply. Yeah, this is something that I think will probably go over multiple off-seasons. And actually, I may save some of these ideas for the 2021 off-season if we're looking at a lockout and we're looking for ways to oh, fill time and space, etc. Some of them go back in history. Here's a hell of a what-if. This is for the city of Denver, too. What if the Broncos moved to Atlanta back in the mid-1960s? Wow. As nearly oh happened. What if Johnny Bullen becomes the owner and moves <laughs> the Broncos to Toronto? Yeah. By the way, his Instagram uh, has, been, has been deleted. No. I went looking for it this morning. Nope. Super Bullen on Instagram is no longer. Well, two, Somebody must have got a hold of him and said, you got to rein this in. Two things. Or here. else. One, I'm sad because it was entertaining. Two, I really hope that he gets the help that he needs because he's not in a good place. He needs care and treatment. That's why I've been kind of hesitant to pile on in the way some others are because clearly he's he's ill. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm just kind of diagnosing but from a distance. But Whatever it is, help. we don't he need needs a, help. to uh, guess or anything, but I just I hope he gets the help he needs. But, yeah, another example, another thing. 1976, Bronco players – have a little bit of a revolt and say, we don't want to play for John Ralston anymore. Hmm. What if the Phipps brothers dig in and say, no, John Ralston's your coach. Instead, Ralston got guided to the exit. Red Miller came in in 1977. Every guy who I've talked to about Red Miller from that 77 team has said that Red was kind of the final piece that Hmm. put it all together. They They don't become a Super Bowl team without Red Miller. What if the Broncos don't trade for John Elway? Right. What? <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, there they, are so many 
avenues we can go down with this that I feel like it's something that we could we'll probably do say I could do five or six of them in the coming off season and we will have only scratched the surface yep. on the what if. So I'm really excited about doing these things. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now he says, question for anyone. I've heard Vic's quote about how invested the fans are, as well as Mace's assertion that corrective booing is okay sometimes and necessary, which I totally agree with. However, at what point of booing could one be seen as a bad fan? I've been accused of being a fake fan by by many here at home for yelling at my TV screen or my radio. That but is I, not, does not make you a fake fan. No. no. But I do this because I love this team. My scrawny middle school self wore my Peyton jersey the day after Super Bowl 48. I know Phil has somewhat re- somewhat rebuked booing and negative fan reactions, but in my opinion, what else can the team expect? Our expectations are high. We aren't like the Chiefs, whose fans seem to be largely indifferent that they haven't won a Super Bowl since my dad was born. They even have, they even have wine bottles here celebrating the 50th anniversary of their ancient title. How sad. I guess I'll just clutch my Super Bowl 32 Wheaties box while I continue to agonize over our misfortunes. The cereal is still in the box. Maybe Zach can eat 21-year-old Wheaties to go with those hot pockets. Well, you don't stop celebrating your accomplishments just because they're in the distant past. I mean, I would say the uh, 50th anniversary... For them. Yeah, but I'd say the 50th anniversary wine bottle is the equivalent of having the 21-year-old box of Wheaties. Yeah, no, it is. So, you know, it's you but, celebrate what you have. You celebrate what you accomplished. Even if it's in the distant past, you still take some joy in it. Um, I'd say the point of booing where you become a bad, bad fan is when you boo a Hall of Fame player for having a bad day. Where, or where you boo a team going off the field at halftime when they're winning but not by enough when they're undefeated. Um, so, in other words... The booing at halftime of the Jacksonville game in 2013 and the booing of Peyton Manning in 2015 when he struggled against the Chiefs, that's where it crosses the line to go beyond the pale. I, I don't think there's such thing as a bad fan. Uh, I think the word fan inherently says that you're fanatical about your team, and I think there are bad things you could do as a fan, but in the end it all comes from passion, and I – Love seeing passion from fans, whether it's freaking out in my mentions or cheering on the team really hard when they score a touchdown. It all comes from a place of I really, really care about what's happening here, and everyone channels their passion differently. Sometimes it can be annoying, for sure, but I think that if you're spending your time and money and energy uh, cheering on you know, a bunch of guys in pads running into each other, you are a fan, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I might make fun of you once in a while for how you did it. <laughs> but uh, in the end, I don't think you can, you can really be a bad fan. All right, uh, next one here is from Trevory13. Elway takes all the heat for failures of the front office, and understandably so. But Matt Russell has been his top personnel guy through John's entire tenure, and we almost never hear his name come under fire. Russell is a scouting lifer who worked in two elite front offices, New England and Philadelphia, and is in his 11th year as one of the two or three most influential voices in the Broncos' front office. It's possible no one has shaped the way the Broncos are today more than Matt Russell. Well, if I'm not mistaken, he was teammates and fraternity brothers with Vance Joseph in college, and I'm sure Matt played a huge role in that decision. He did. Relationships are everything in the NFL, for better, or in this case, for worse. On to the question. For so many reasons... The team firing Elway is unlikely, but is there a chance he'd throw 
Russell and possibly AJ Durso and Brian Stark under the bus to take some of the heat off and reshape the front office and scouting department while maintaining his own position. Yes, I'd say there's a decent chance of that, of changes in the football operations structure if the season continues to go south. That's just part of it. You know, you you make some moves, you, whether it's firing the coach, you're firing some people under you to basically buy yourself time. I didn't think this would happen in the past years. Now I do think that it could very well happen. You named, you mentioned three names. Uh, I don't. The other two, yeah, sure, AJ Durso. <laughs> but some of it is looking Elliot for scapegoats. Whatever, I mean, I don't think. Right. I mean, I, I don't think Brian Starker and AJ Durso are reasons why the team is struggling. I don't either. Here's the thing. Um, remember when Gary Kubiak was about to be the offensive coordinator, and he said, "Like, I'm not coming unless my guys can come with me." I think John Elway has that level of loyalty to Matt Russell, who is not only his partner in this whole thing but also one of his best friends i think john said would say i'd rather not do it than not do it with matt that's wouldn't be it happened to mike shanahan he was told in part hey you've got to change defensive coordinators again you got to get rid of bob slowick he didn't want to do it yeah a a lot of coaches are that way um you know mike munchak left tennessee yeah in part because he was told to make some changes on the staff and he didn't want to do it yeah, so uh, exactly. Uh, I think there's a chance that John would say. Also, Joelis isn't telling John he has to fire Matt Russell. I just know that. It would have to be on John's own accord where he would say, hey, I got to do something here. And maybe Matt would understand, hey, you know, you need. But here's the thing. We always talk about John's circle. He, he's not going to bring in some outsider influence to come, you know, make decisions with him. He likes doing it with Matt Russell because they agree on things and he trusts his opinion. But the problem is you need more voices in the circle. I think that's one of the issues that the Broncos have had. Okay, the next one here comes in from Nash EQ. Hey, guys, this is Alex from Switzerland. I remember. He says, we met at the first tailgate before the Jags game. I finally got around to making that subscription. Awesome stuff. Keep up the great work. Especially, please keep the no BS approach of telling the truth and not some misguided marketing BS or Elway's fantasy story of being able to win a Super Bowl with this Flacco-led team. First of all, thank you for subscribing yes, and, and joining you. the family, even though you are already a family member because you came and joined us at the tailgate, but we're, we're uh, happy to have you officially. He goes on, I sometimes get the feeling that the mass media fans and even the media personnel believe, that this, believe this crap that comes out of the front office. You don't. Anyway, one, gathering more information on IR guys means waiting for the Colts game because they think they can win, right? Yes. We talked about that. (laughs) Two, in a normal organization, there would be some governance mechanisms in place that would prevent the kind of malpractice that would be not putting Locke out there. So what are the governance mechanisms of the Broncos? Part of what's broken with not having a true owner at the top of the organization. Checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Very big in American politics. Also important in a company. Not very present right now. Yeah, and we see what happens when checks and balances are abused. Yep. Uh, three, Elway's height fetish paired with the Shanahan game management bootleg boring scheme is killing me as a fan. How much more pain do we have to endure before we adapt to the inevitable reality of college ball? As things are going right now, the Broncos trade up to the next round to get Justin Herbert because he's 6'6 and makes Elway's fluids flow. Uh. But besides that, might not be the man for 10 to 15 years. What has to happen for the Broncos to draft Hurts and pair him with Lindsey and Freeman? Probably uh, 
John completely new down. football operations staff and new philosophy. The thing is, I think Vic Fangio would actually be on board with a guy like Jalen Hurts. I could see it. I, I, Vic does not seem sold on this offensive scheme right could now he be? at all. How could anyone Just be? Just reading between the lines of what he's saying, and as we were talking about earlier this week, he's been around successful teams, successful offenses that had mobile quarterbacks who operated mostly out of the shotgun. Colin Kaepernick got the 49ers to a Super Bowl with Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. Bears went 12-4 and with Mitchell Trubisky taking off and running quite a bit last year, partnered with Vic Fangio's defense. He knows that also these kind of offenses can cause him game planning problems. Yep. Uh, finally, he says, all in all, watching the press conferences and reading about the team makes my migraines come back big time. Thanks for your answers. Have a great day. P.S. Holding offense number 72. Me? I didn't do anything wrong, I promise. Oh, man. Wade what? Wade Myers. Hey, guys, keep up the fun podcast and keeping it real. So here's the question. Is it time to move on from Elway? You guys earlier this year talked about Elway having a player's mentality of never quitting and going one week at a time. But for a GM, that is a losing strategy, I'd think. Now with the Russell Wilson info and Drew Locke staying on IR for a win-now approach, I just can't help but feel like Elway refuses to see the big picture. Sorry for the long comment. Go DNVR and Nuggets with the dub. I think LA does have a, a bit of a problem with um, getting in the helicopter and looking at things from 10,000 feet. And I think also he views things a little bit as a play, as he was a player. And he looks at how, as a quarterback, the things that he had that allowed him to succeed. What I think is interesting is him ruling out a quarterback because of height, according to that Jack Del Rio story regarding Russell Wilson. Yet, and Elway was a you know strapping six foot four quarterback back in the day, and yet a big part of what made John Elway succeed it wasn't just the arm talent, it wasn't the fact that he was six four, it was the fact that he was a smart guy, went to Stanford. Stan, even for athletes, they may not, you know, Stanford doesn't take dummies, and you don't graduate from Stanford without being intelligent. And I think Elway underestimates the intelligence factor. In what making him a successful quarterback in the NFL? I also wonder how much John Elway would have balled out in a spread offense. Uh, oh my! Air raid scheme. Gracious. I mean, remember this is a guy who had to have comeback after comeback late in games because mo- usually because the offense wasn't producing. He he would have gotten the Heisman that he didn't get yep. if he was in an air raid scheme at the minimum. All right, next one's from Super Bowl, and we have to pick up a little bit here as we have to get over to Broncos. Um, he says, The roller coaster ride in my emotional state continues with Zach's latest story about Locke. However, I keep thinking we need to slow down on the pitchforks and tortures regarding the staff. Remember that this is a first-year head coach and offensive coordinator. It would be silly to expect all sunshine and rainbows, especially since the offense they inherited last year wasn't exactly good. We need to give the people a chance. I've loved how each opening drive we put together some decent possessions. We couldn't do that last year. I think we're not giving enough credit to Rich in the NFL community. People talk about throwing rookies onto the field for a trial-by-fire and learning method uh, if they're willing to take the lumps and mistakes. This should also provide the same benefit to to Rich. My positive vibes only movement is in full swing, as I would like to point out that we now, in theory, get to see one of our training camp darlings on the field, Mr. Jawan Winfrey, folks. I would offer this little bit of unsolicited advice to Rich Gangarello. Talk to Kyle Shanahan and talk to Mike Shanahan about what they did in 2012 when they had RG3 and how they remade and tweaked their scheme to adapt to RG3's skill set. 
because what they did that year was brilliant. I would say in terms of schematic work for Mike Shanahan, that may have been the best single-season job of his career, surpassing anything he did in Denver. Yeah, and uh, here's the thing is you want to see progress from Rich. And we saw that in, like, the, the, the first few weeks. We saw the offense trend up. Now it hasn't been trending up. It's been trending the opposite way. You want to see it pick back up again for him to have the benefit of the doubt. Next one coming in from Mark S. He says, hey, guys, I want to start by giving a mahalo to Zach and Mace for reading my comment about my dad and all the Thailand-based veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange while serving during the Vietnam War. I appreciate the people who reached out with DMs and took the time to like and retweet to help our social media lobby campaign to get Bill H.R. 2201 and S1381 passed in Congress. I guess this gives United in Orange new meaning for me and my family as we truly appreciate the awesome DNVR community. That's that's awesome, Mark. Thanks for reaching out to us about that. On to football. Like many of us, I was very pleased with the great value we got for Emmanuel. At the same time, I was also just really happy for Sanders, who, gets, who too gets to play for a contender. While he's been in orange and blue, he's been consistent one of the most productive players who, who we could always count on to produce. So I'll root for him as a 49er for sure while he's still healthy and playing at a high level. But now that he's gone, the offense is devoid of any players who played with Peyton Manning. This team should be in full-blown youth mode. But today's comments by Flacco not, about not changing who he is should be a red flag for John. This is so obviously not the guy to lead a young offense in development. Joe would be a good piece for an offense that already has an identity and is fully developed. Flacco is at best a quarterback who can step in as a cog in the machine, not as the engine that drives it. His lack of fire, urgency, inability to raise the level of play around him, and his comments today should be more than enough for John and Vic to see that the Joe Flacco experiment is a bust. I heard John and Vic say that they need more information. What the heck? So, in the spirit of social media and Twitter campaign lobbying, I have an idea. I would like to start a hashtag free Drew Locke movement. I don't know if an actual effort has started yet, but our DNVR community could start making this happen on Twitter, on talk shows, wherever on the media, and at games. Free Drew Locke, free Drew Locke, free Drew Locke. What do you guys think? Anyways, thanks again, fellas, and the DNVR fam. I am grateful and humbled to be a part of this community. Mahalo, Mark. Great comment, and I just have one thing to say. Free Drew freaking Locke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you guys get out of here and get a head start over there to Broncos, uh, and I will do what you've done for me over the last couple of weeks and carry the torch on the podcast. So a few more comments here. I will get to those. Zach, Mace, have a good time. I will see you later. Next one here is from Bronco Jayhawk J. He says, it is, is it a trend to hire former team players or is it just my team? The Broncos have Elway, the Detroit Red Wings have Steve Eiserman, and even my English Premier League team hired old Gunner something or other. Only Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, Mace. Then it leaked yesterday that the Chicago Cubs are hiring David Ross to manage the team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this usually seems to not end well. Um, it, it does happen everywhere because here in Denver, we have obviously John Elway in charge of the front office of the Broncos. You have Joe Sackick uh, as the GM of the Avalanche. You had Walt Weiss as the manager of the Rockies. Um the Nuggets haven't really gone down that See, road. You had oh, John Dan Embry. in the back in the day. See, you had John Embry. See, you had John Embry Didn't and Eric Bieniemy. Well. That worked out terribly. So yeah, it does happen a lot. It's it's a, it's usually when a team is in a really bad place. There and much like the fans are drinking their fifty year old bottle of wine, the the <laughs> team itself and the organization looks and says, "Hey, let's go back and and open our own fifty year bottle of wine." 
So it does happen a lot. Um, also, sorry that you're a Red Wings fan. Go Fs. Next one here is from Chilongo Broncos. Says, oh, my God, Mace, why? Why on earth did you mention Dalton coming to the Broncos? Just please know I can't get that horrible thought out of my head. Why would you say that? Yeah, Mace admitted that he was in a dark place when he had that thought. And I think we can all just cross our fingers that that doesn't happen. So he says, so as we are in unofficial off-season mode now, here's my off-season question. Oh, that one's for Mace. So you're going to have to send that one uh, for <laughs> for next week. I don't know. I have no idea what it's talking about. So Mace, did you visit Galaxy's Edge? How was it? It seems amazing. Don't know what that is. He says, P.S. Bold prediction. Tim Patrick will get more catches and yards and a touchdown than Hamilton. Much love. I assume he means when he comes back. Next one's for Mr. T. Hey, gents, two thoughts. Does Joe Jones even exist anymore? All the offseason talk was that he could be Fangio's guy because they didn't select an inside linebacker in the draft. He's been back for a few weeks now, right? What gives? Rather than have the two thumpers out there in Johnson and Davis, why not run Johnson and Jones? We'd miss Todd's leadership, but get younger and possibly better. Yeah, I think that was – I mean, we, nothing we believed about the linebacker position came true. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they address it in a different way this offseason – based on the struggles they've had. Uh, but we thought, you know, okay, they're going to want, they're going to love a Devin White or a Devin Bush. They didn't really ever express too much interest in them, especially when we asked uh, Vic about it directly. We thought maybe he'll love Joe Jones. But remember, when Todd Davis got injured uh, in the preseason, they didn't even, you know, they, did, they hardly used Joe Jones in there. So it doesn't seem like um, – his view of things are the same as what we thought his view of things were going to be. He goes on and says, two on Drew Locke. Drew not being activated ought to be a federal offense. Agreed. That being said, Drew being activated and Drew starting games are not necessarily the same thing. And I think that's a missing piece of the conversation. If LA doesn't think Drew's ready to start, fine. Whatever. I disagree, but fine. But LA can, but can LA honestly say that Drew wouldn't benefit from getting reps on the scout team or preparing for the game days as a backup? Even if he doesn't start a game in 2019, which again federal offense he should at least be activated we've carried bryce callahan on the active roster all season he hasn't played a snap so it's not like we really need the active roster spot saved by keeping drew on ir mr t i could not agree more and and i'm sure you heard that i did bring that up earlier like i said i'm lowering my expectations if they're not going to start drew lock i agree with you federal offense but at least get him out there and get him into practice and let him be a part of the team when you're on ir you're not really a part of it uh, you don't have to be at all of the different, you know, meetings, even though I'm sure Drew has been involved in most of them. You're obviously not out. You don't have to be out there for the entirety of practice. You're just an outsider looking in. Let Drew get in and become a part of this thing. You are wasting time by not doing that. Next one here is from Mr. T. He says, as a sad mental exercise, if the Redskins call you today and say they'll trade Keenum and Haskins for Flacco and Locke straight up, do you make the trade? Um... Man, that's a really good question. I probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. Um, well, I don't know. I really liked Haskins. He did not look good in his first go of things. Here's the number one thing. is like Case Keenum was, wasn't very liked in this locker room, so you wouldn't, wouldn't really want him. Drew, uh, Drew Locke, I've always been high on Drew Locke. I want to see that through. You don't know what the Redskins have already done to mess him up. It's close. I see what you're saying, and uh, it's not as obvious as it feels like it should be, but Flacco is better than Keenum. Locke and Haskins, we just don't know yet. I really like 
Drew Locke and the way that he approaches the game, his uh, mentality, the way he is. But I also really loved Dwayne Haskins coming out. Here's the thing, and I guess this will be the, uh, the deciding factor for me on this question. Dwayne Haskins, all that success, that's in the Urban Meyer, Ryan Day spread out offense, and the Broncos just aren't going to do that. So it's a square peg round whole thing. Now, again, Drew Locke is also coming from a spread, but at least he had a, a body of work there, not, you know, that makes you think, okay, he wasn't just a quote-unquote system quarterback. I think Dwayne Haskins has all, all it takes to be an NFL starter if you give him that offense. I know you won't. I think Drew Locke would be a lot better off in that, in that offense, and, and it, you know, comes back to the square peg round whole thing and, and why I'm not the biggest believer in this offense in the first place. But the arm talent – the feet, all of that, and the way that I know he approaches. I just don't know enough about Dwayne Haskins to say, oh, I know he's got the right approach. I've seen it with Drew Locke from the senior bowl to training camp. I know he's got the right approach. I think he can learn this offense. I think he can succeed in it. But really, really good good, uh, thought exercise there. All right, last one I believe here comes in from Dan Burke, and it is a long one. He says, I saw that tweet from the Philly guy who called Vaughn a locker room cancer. It's 100% tongue-in-cheek and got quite a few Broncos fans riled up. Oh, did, did Zach and Mace fall for that one? Eagles fans have been clamoring for Vaughn the past few weeks, and he was trying to make Vaughn look bad so the Broncos could consider trading him. Yeah, I saw that tweet too. I didn't realize what it was until I clicked on the guy's profile. I was like, ah, let's see what you're doing here. He goes on and says, three, uh, two... Mace, I think Juwan's contract is structured pretty well. He has a pretty low signing bonus relative to his contract of $12 million. And the, con- and the team can move on after the 2020 season with only $6 million dead cap. It's not as great as Quan Alexander's structure, although the 49ers have the guy considered the absolute best cap guy on their staff, so I'm not surprised how team-friendly most of their deals are. Threes for Mr. B. Four, I know PFF grades aren't always accurate and sometimes laughable, but Justin Simmons is currently their number one ranked safety with their number one coverage grade. And the eye test definitely shows that he's playing at a high level. Seems like this coaching staff finally managed to unlock the potential we've seen in Simmons since his rookie year. Yeah, he looked, he was the one player that I thought looked awesome throughout uh, in that Chiefs game. He certainly has benefited from Fangio's scheme, and, and I think he's earned a spot on the lifeboat. I think he will get a contract extension. Goes on and says, I've always said that Ed Donatello is absolutely the best DB coach in the league, even before he uh, joined the Broncos. And Simmons finally taking that step is a great example of how good he is. Gives me confidence that Ed and Vic will be able to keep the secondary playing at a high level as they add more of their guys through the draft and free agency. You could make the argument that the Broncos have the best safety duo in the league right now, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Kareem and Justin is a sweet combo back there. Five, Zach mentioned this yesterday, but with the signing of Jonathan Harris off waivers, the Broncos working out a couple of D linemen, and a few reports about Wolf getting trade interests. Does it seem like a move from Wolf might be in the works? It's possible. I know that Derek isn't pushing to leave, so that, you know, you keep that in mind. It's not an Emmanuel Sanders situation where, like, the, the relationship is fractured and they need to get rid of him. But I think if the Broncos get a good, healthy offer for any of these guys, they have to consider it, and, in fact, I think they have to do it. Six, Adam Peters as a future GM is interesting. I remember a lot of people being shocked that Adam let Peters join John Lynch in San Francisco because he was viewed as a great talent in the scouting community. Although it's been speculated that the reason Kyle let Scangarello go and not his other assistant coaches who were getting interests like Mike McDaniels and Mike LaFleur is because of the 49ers owed the Broncos one for Peters. 
I definitely agree that Ed Dodds is the guy to go for, but I doubt he leaves Indy, and I'm not sure that he'd want the spotlight to come with rebuilding the Broncos and following John Elway, so it's a moot point. Seven, we're all mad at John right now, but this is still his number. Eight, it definitely seems like the 49ers are Broncos West right now. The Niners have former Broncos in the front office and Adam Peters and John Lynch on the staff and Joe Woods and Wes Welker and on the team in Sanders and Ben Garland. And let's not forget, of course, Kyle Shanahan, the Mike Shanahan descendant. Uh, yeah, it does feel that way. And to go back to your uh, Scangarello point, the Broncos and 49ers have a really good relationship. So that's why you're going to see lots of deals with them. And there's stuff that can happen when you're tighter like that that, you know, is under the table that is a little bit harder to understand for fans and media, such, you know, such as, hey, we'll, we'll do this for you if you do that for us. You give us Peters, we'll give you this later down the road. You give us Scangarello, we'll do this for you. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that can go on when there's a good relationship like that. So don't. this definitely isn't the end of the road for the Broncos and 49ers making deals and, and probably the 49ers and Broncos looking like different versions of each other, except for the fact that the 49ers are pretty darn good right now and the Broncos are not. Even then, though, I think the trade uh, of Emmanuel Sanders could end up looking better later than it does now because I think the 49ers are a little bit of a pretender uh, less uh, rather than a contender. The defense is legit, which is always going to keep them in games. I just don't know how, just just how good they actually are. Like I, I don't consider them a true Super Bowl contender right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a, a chance that they could come back to earth over the second half of the season. All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for me today. But before I let you go, I got to remind you one more time about drift car sharing. It's Denver's newest travel hack. It's the way to park for free at the airport and then get paid for letting someone use your car while you're traveling. And then it's all covered with Allstate. And then Drift is going to clean your car out for you before you you get it back. It's a sweet deal. It's one of those things that feels too good to be true, but it's not. And when you get to the next city, maybe you want to use Drift to rent a car from them. Uh, the options are endless with Drift, and you can make some money. It's a pretty sweet deal. So make sure you check out drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, today. It was great to be back on the show. And we will catch up with you on Sunday after the Broncos and Colts game. We'll see what happens then. See you later. It's getting me down.